This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS Radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there, too. Welcome to HITS Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today, I'm uh, continuing on some of the international interviews I've done, and I have a good friend of mine, uh, Gerben Kampfus from uh, Holland. So I've known Gerben now for quite a few years. I don't know how many it's been now. Gerben must be 10, 12 years at least. I can't. Yeah, at least. Yeah, at least. can't even really actually remember how we met, but I've been fortunate to uh, uh, go to Gerben's house several times and watch him train dogs. Um, We went to the Nationals together a few times. seems like uh, Gerben knows everybody in the dog world in Holland, so... Um, if you don't mind, Gerben, can you just spend a couple minutes just talking about, I know you've been breeding dogs since you were little and just kind of talk about your background a little bit. Yeah, I can do that, Jeff. That's not a problem. Um, I started uh, training dogs, I think, when I was uh, really officially uh, 16 years old. I'm now 50. Um, and I, I started, of course, earlier because KMBV officially you can uh, start training when you're 16. So... Uh, yeah, I think I started, uh, since I can walk, I went with my father to the club every Sunday, every uh, every evening when I don't have to go to school, I could, could go there too. And um, yeah, I've, uh, um, I I started when I was 12 years, 13 years to, to uh, do some decoy work. And uh, yeah, of course, in the beginning, uh, easy stuff, of course, uh, uh, but slowly but surely more and more. And uh, yeah, since just what I said, since I'm 16 years old, I'm yeah training, uh, doing decoying, uh, yeah, whatever comes with it. Yeah, when you were young, your father also bred Malinois, right? Yeah, my father bred, uh, I think, even more than I, I ever did. I think many, many uh, litters a year. I think he had seven, eight, eight uh, breeding females. And he started a bloodline. I think he was one of the first people in our state uh, who started with Malinois before? Before he started with Malinois, it was most Bouvier and uh, and German Shepherds, and uh, but and very occasionally uh, a Malinois or something that looks like it. And uh, I think he started in 1960 with uh, breeding, and I th- he was one of the founders of the the uh, yeah I think it's still quite a quite a good line. It's uh, Arno Arno bloodline, and uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah that that is something I still still continue a little bit with. Um, why? Because I know what his mind about breeding was, and that he was uh, he looked for I think the same types of dogs that I still like today. So yeah. So uh, so by the by the time you were by the time you were twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old, you literally had probably had. A few thousand puppies in your hands and helped raise them. Yeah, not a few thousand, but I think yeah, but but a lot. I think hundreds. Uh, yes, it, it, <laughs> hundreds. Yeah, at least. hundreds. I think yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, puppies were always around the house. My when the females uh, were in heat, my father always bred them uh, once a year. He always uh, one litter, and the next heat he skipped, and then uh, he was quite. Uh, and then when a female gets too old, he already. Uh, yeah, make sure they get a, get a good home or some, or, or he kept it back and and can stay at the house till till old, older age, 
And uh, but he always made sure he had six, seven females uh, he could breed with. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of puppies always, and a lot of taking care, of course, and a lot of cleaning, and a lot of work, and uh, yeah, everything what comes with it. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to, what I wanted to talk to you about today that we were talking about is there's there's a whole lot of things I want to. Uh, obviously uh, I'd like to over a few episodes kind of talk to you about a lot of training because I don't know many people who have done more training than you and every time I pick your brain I I ask a question and you always give me a good thoughtful answer so I think over the course of uh, a few a few episodes we'll be able to really get deep into that but what I wanted to talk about today is what I'd mentioned to you is that I mean we all everybody over here the dog handlers in the U.S. we understand that most of these dogs come through Holland but I don't think people really ever give any thought to where do they come from originally, you know, and that, and most of them are people and families just like your own where they're breeding puppies and then they end up working their way through the KNVP. And, and that's still today, it's still the same tradition, isn't it? I, I think in, in, in general, uh, that's, that's how it's, uh, uh, the most police dogs in the U S I think, come at least from uh, uh, the biggest part, come through Holland, I think. But I think uh, man, many come from Belgium, many come from France, many come from... And uh, I do think nowadays it's, it's, it's more expand because of the internet. I think in the old days, uh, for sure, 90% came pure from Holland. Yeah. And, and do, you think, do you think where, where whatever country they're coming from, would you agree that most of them at the puppy stage, wherever they're born is most likely a small, you know, a house. It's not like a big commercial breeder that's, that has 60 no, no, litters no, no, no. at a time. It's all, it starts organically th- with, with a family. Yeah. I, yeah, I do think for good success, uh, Jeff, and, and, uh, uh, you cannot do it too big because, uh, it takes a really a lot of time to, uh, even if the, the puppy is genetically perfect, let's put it like that, has all the tools, uh, to get uh, 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 get it started, get it worked, get it socialized, get it uh, clean in the kennel, uh, make sure it has a nice behavior, uh, some basic obedience, and uh, everything what I just talked about costs a lot of time. It's not something you can put in for in a week or two weeks' time. If you have the bigger kennels who do pure breeding for uh, uh, detection dogs or... Uh, uh, but I'm talking about the whole package. I talk about dogs, dual, dual purpose dogs, uh, good hunt, good bite, uh, the dogs you, you bought in the past from me, that type of dog, good quality. I think those dogs cost a lot of time and for sure can you cannot breed them in big, big, uh, big quantities. So the quality must be, must be good. That is, that is the case. And, the, and, and breeding is also important. Um, yeah, how can I explain best that um, I see a lot of people breed dogs, and uh, but with when I look at the bloodlines, I think there does does not tell me any story. You know, uh, they just put a male on top of a female, and yeah, the male is a good dog, and the female is a good dog, and the bloodline is good, and they both healthy. Fuck, I don't get good puppies. Uh, yeah, I think uh, to the experience uh, of. Uh, uh, what works and does not work, uh, uh, that is a, also a big case. Uh, if, you, if you're only blind and you only look at your own bloodlines, uh, yeah, then you're quickly done, I think. So I think it's very important to uh, look at what other people do, uh, appreciate what other people do, uh, 
make sure that uh, uh, you you can read the dogs properly, so uh, you know which, which type of dog it is uh, from which bloodline, and it gives this type of dog this kind of quality. Uh, early mature, late mature, uh, you can name everything. Uh, it's important to know all ins and outs. And I do think the the biggest the biggest uh, thing what I so far what works for me at least is yeah I, I I when you're young you only go for the most extreme dog that sticks in your mind and you want to have it and that's the the thing you have in mind and that is what you want to breed. But during the years of of working, breeding, training, uh, decoying. Uh, yeah, I noticed that not always the strongest strongest dogs give the strongest puppies, and uh, and I think that uh, uh, brothers and sisters of a litter is is as ex, as uh, uh, important for good breeding as uh, uh, just that one who's really really over the top, extremely good, you know. So um, I think that most people go for the champion. Let's put it like that, and I think that. Uh, I learned uh, by in, in at, at uh, uh, going uh, the road that uh, uh, that it's not always the champion who gives you the best puppies. I think the, what I did the last 10, 15 years is really look close to what brothers, sisters uh, uh, are doing uh, from father's side, mother's side. Uh, uh, and when that is overall good quality uh, and 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 really something i really like yeah then is uh, the, the gamble is not so big you know so you so you'll basically and, find a, a really strong dog you like and then maybe track down where that dog's brother or sister is and yeah, kind I, of I, see if they're yeah what i what i basically do is uh, i'm always on the look for a nice dog and if i give you an example i give obedience classes here around the house uh two three times a week and uh, a few months ago somebody came with a fci malinois uh, pedigree Malinois <clears throat> was seven eight weeks old and at the moment I lay my eyes on it I think this is really something special and um, because of uh, corona uh, the, the the training was stopped for a few months and uh, he came back when the dog was seven months and yeah only very little basic obedience and that's it and living at the house with the people uh, and um he asked me, "Can I? Uh, what you do with the dogs? Uh, can you look if if my dog is suitable for that?" Yeah, I think yeah, we can always take a look. It's not a problem. So I I play a little bit with the ball and I uh, I worked a little bit with him and and it was something I didn't see for many years. Let's put it like that. I gr I grab a sleeve and I played a little bit around and the first grip was over the top extreme, and. Then I'm interested. So then I went uh, ask him for for which what kind of FCI pedigree is it, and I, he sent it to me, and and then I start searching it out, and yeah, and I really want to find out where it comes from. Uh, where does all those that super kind of hunt drive and that really extreme hard calm grip, uh, genetically because not trained, uh, where does it come from? You know, and if you can figure that question out, then yeah, the, it's already a little bit easier. Let's put it like that. Sure. So in a nutshell, yeah. I mean, you're before you breed two dogs, you're you're being very very careful, and you've researched it a lot. I've watched you on the on the internet, on the bloodline website, on the internet, yeah, reading yeah. through there. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think that that is what the internet makes it a little bit easier. In the past, my father had always to drive and then go to many uh, uh, training and many uh, ch ch championships and 
uh, games. Uh, yeah, you you uh, just to see uh, a lot of dogs and to really make the good. Uh, yeah, how you say this? I think this one will fit. And and uh, now it's a little bit easier because through the internet you can also see. Okay, I I give you an example. I have a female and it's uh, it's a Barry two bloodline. Yeah, and. Um, then uh, I know it's this bloodline, and I know somebody else is a full sister of my female. And he used, uh, yeah, let's put a name on a dog. Uh, he used uh, male uh, A, and the puppies were over the top extreme and really good. Uh, yeah, then I don't have to invent the wheel two times. You know, then I know this bloodline really fits well to uh, the chance of fitting this bloodline really good to my female is, is, is very big. So and that is that's a little bit the way how I I I, uh, I do normally my breeding. So when you when you've got your dogs and you've researched them and you're picking the right dogs that you're happy with breeding, what is your success rate from you know if you have a litter? I mean your average litter is what about eight puppies maybe. What's your success rate of those dogs becoming working dogs? I, I to be very honest, uh, Jeff, uh, I have a litters that's almost one hundred percent. Uh, I think if you pick number one or number last, I think you end up with a very nice dog. And I had also litter, litters, uh, they didn't didn't fit that well. And and I had only two or three, yeah, reasonable dogs. Yeah? But that's that's also something then uh, you, that's also, uh, how do I say, uh, something that gives me thinking, okay, what what happened? Where did it get wrong? Where why do I don't get uh, what I, I I I expected? And luckily, it does not happen a lot. But uh, yeah, that not I think that's that no one in the world can only breed good dogs. That's impossible. Right? But you must be very honest to yourself. You must be uh, honest uh, about uh, okay, now it's super nice, and uh, hey, this litter was not so nice, you know. So. Yeah, and and then also the question why? I think in dog training, in breeding, uh, why is always the biggest question. And I think one of the things that I really respect about you is that I know that you're so passionate about you know the dogs and the bloodlines that you know we've talked a few a few, a few different times, and I know that say if you did have a litter that wasn't quite as good, I'm sure you'd place those dogs. But the last thing you'd want is any of those dogs to be bred themselves and continue, you know, yeah. that bloodline at all. And you had talked to me one time, I thought it was an interesting point, and we had talked about, um, and I, I want to get into probably some of the differences into how you raise your puppies and what you do with them and what we do with them. But while we're on the topic of continuing something that isn't working, um, you talked to me one time about uh, when you have a puppy that maybe won't eat and is a little sickly or something, and you kind of talked about how you handle that. I, I, th I think... Uh, um, uh, also, luckily, I, I don't have a lot of problems uh, uh, in the litter because uh, one of my criteria is uh, uh, along the road, I found out that when a female is not a super good eater, yeah, doesn't eat well, not really have a lot of food drive, first of all, that's not a dog I want to breed with because I think a, a really strong dog needs also very strong food drive. And... Uh, uh, because it's one of the drives I want to see very, very strong. Um, and the other way around, I, I bred a few times with, with females who did not have a lot of food drive, and, and they always give me problems later on with the puppies. Uh, uh, always. Yeah, it's, it's for some reason they, they don't uh, give a lot of milk. They, uh, uh, they, 
get skinny, the quality gets lesser. Uh, uh, it's it's difficult to get uh, the female back in shape again. Uh, it, it's it's a lot of problems. So one of my criteria, I, I sold a few really really strong females, really nice dogs. Everybody said you're really crazy. Why do you sell them? I said I don't want to breed with them because if I breed with them, I get a lot of problems. I don't. I'm not waiting on that. You know, I don't want that. You know, so. Uh, the other way around is if I have 10 puppies in a litter or 12, or I, one time I had 16, I left the, the litter of 16. I didn't bottle feed uh, the, the, the small ones. I didn't, I just uh, said to the, uh, I just let nature take, uh, take action, you know? So the female only uh, uh, to, could take care of nine puppies. And then I ended up with nine puppies after two weeks and, and those were strong and those were good. And, I think even seven had pH one, so it was a really good litter. And then everybody said, "Yeah, but if you kept the 16, then then maybe six, uh, you could battle feed them. You could." But I think, uh, in my eyes, uh, I did it when I was younger. Uh, I, my first litter, I bottle feed. I think half of the litter, and uh, because I found it really sad that the puppy is getting weaker and weaker, you know. And I ended up with three three dogs who had a, a digestive problem, uh, uh, and and from that time off, I think okay, I, uh, when the mother does not want to take care of the puppies, there must be something wrong with it. So, I yeah, that and that is uh, that is how I think about it. Yeah, when you first told me that, I thought that's so harsh, and I I mean I I still do to this day. I don't know if I could if I could not help him, you know. But I I understand it's all about keeping the the gene the you know the the line clean and you're really not doing a you're not doing a favor by giving somebody a sickly dog that they're going to have to take to the vet all the time and try to keep that yeah i think i i think uh jeff that uh uh, in the end what we want to do is uh, make sure that everybody gets a strong and healthy puppy you know or a strong and healthy dog and uh if if a female puts uh two or three aside and don't want to feed them what happens in, in from time to time in a litter yeah that's that and then, and then i see a lot of people oh shit they put them inside in the box and they bottle feed them uh, many times after two every two hours and yeah you get them uh, big that's not a problem but later on uh, uh, for sure there is something wrong you know it's not for nothing that the female feed the five ones uh, 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 no problem and the other two she shifts to the side all the time and yeah, that is that is something I talk about. Then uh, yeah, then uh, that's not uh, how I do it. You know. No, so, and, and you're you you love dogs, so it's not it's not fun to watch. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm sure it's hard to watch, but it's the right right yeah, thing my, to do. Yeah, yeah, but 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 after they're born and 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 they barely on the world, you know. So and uh, yeah, it go then it goes quick if they're not strong enough, it goes quick, you know. So. And if it's really too too bad, yeah, then I go to the to the veterinarian. I say, hey, take care of it. Yeah, that's of course. I'm not not uh, I'm not somebody who's cruel. But if it's not good, yeah, it doesn't stay. That's basically so, what it is. So the reason yeah. I brought that example up is it's kind of, it's obviously an extreme example of maybe the difference here because I mean, again, I think and even myself, I've never bred any puppies, but I would have a hard time not grabbing the bottle and trying to help the dog, even though I understand your logic. It'd be hard. But I think that's a really good example of maybe some differences between, you know, from doing it for a very long time with all of your experience, which is, you know, there's a lot of people in the, in Europe that, that do it your way, I'm sure. Um, how come 
you know, what are some differences? How come people go to the, to, you know, Holland or wherever and they buy some fantastic breeding stock dogs, they bring them over here and we're not getting the quality of the puppies that you are. That's one good example. But what are some other things you do with the puppies that are different? They get those dogs ready to be, you know, dual purpose dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think t- to be honest to you is that, uh, um, I think, um, for some reason, uh, I was always extremely good in raising puppies. Eh? And um, yeah, you can put a finger on it. It's because of this. It's because of that. It's because of that. I think that everybody has uh, yeah, talents or everybody has. And that's something I always, uh, yeah, for some reason, I uh, uh, when I took a puppy from a litter, uh, nine out of ten times, it's, it's, it's simply a little bit better than the rest of the litter. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, not for nothing. I think that's a way how I I, I uh, created. Uh, but over overall, what, what what do you yeah. think some of the differences are? Like I know here, they don't want to separate the litters till they're eight weeks old, and I've even seen some now they're saying ten weeks. So what are what are some of the things you do there? You know, with your litters that are different. I th- yeah, I think I think that um, uh, the dogs I want to keep. Uh, let's put it like that. Uh, in general, in Holland, uh, the puppies are leaving early the litter, you know, so it's, it's, uh, by law, you have to keep them to seven weeks. Uh, and, and, uh, uh but in the past, it was not uncommon that, uh, a five weeks old puppy who really eating well and already steady food was leaving the litter, you know, uh, if they too long together, uh, I think that every puppy in the litter, uh, uh, Will uh, um, how do you say it affects a little bit effect on their uh, uh, on their minds eh? because they get a lot of the punishments in the litter get heavier from the female the older the puppies get uh, if they they bite the female or they 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 suck and they uh, bite the nipples and the female gives them a correction it gets it's heavier with six seven weeks than with three weeks or four weeks you know. Uh, plus, uh, you have some really extreme dominant puppies in the litter. What, what I have okay, uh, many times, uh, they for they were five six weeks. They fight like uh, uh, two pit bulls fight together, eh? and you can even end up with a dead puppy in the litter. It's not not uncommon eh? if they're too long together. <clears throat> so I, I separate them quite early. Um, the ones I want to keep for myself, sometimes even. A little bit more early, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> a week, and then yeah, that is what I do. And then uh, okay, I put them in, in small cages, and they get uh, f- uh, three times a day or four times a day. I feed them before they get food. Uh, I always do drive work, so they always I make uh, make them first in drive. That's the way how I work. Uh, and then I then they get food, and uh, I take them out uh, so they immediately know how to walk on the leash very early. Uh, they learn to uh, see the, the street outside, uh, cars, people, other cars. Uh, nine out of ten times I do the street uh, after day six weeks and three, four days because then they already vaccinated for the first time. I don't want problems, you know. So, but uh, uh, from four weeks off, I already start with drive work. Uh, make them crazy for Jerry and make sure they bark. Uh, make sure they catch everything. If I throw a bunch of keys on the ground, they're really really crazy about that 
uh, start uh, doing a little bit of rack work with them so they start uh, so I can see the difference how they bite uh, one is calm one is a little bit hectic one is so and, and that's all already uh, a little bit uh, how I select also I do it because I work or start early working with the puppies so I can see differences and then when you and it does when not, you feed and, them and it does, does yeah go ahead I'm sorry. sorry when you feed them it's just yeah. not you don't just hand a bowl in their little cage right they, no, no, they've no, got no. to work for that. I, I like some of the stuff you do with that too. Yeah, I, I um, basically I think uh, uh, I give them every day something they have to uh, conquer. Eh? Let's put it like that. Uh, so I put not the food every time on the same spot. I make, I feed them one time inside the garage. I feed them the next day on the grass, and uh, I feed them in the evening. I feed them under the car. Uh, I feed them. Uh, uh, I throw a whole a bunch of bicycles on top of, of each other and I feed them on under that. And I do every day I do a little bit like that. But and I use the the, the hunger and the, the 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 drive for food I use uh, to get them in drive for something different. And um, yes, it's not so easy to explain by the telephone of course. It's easier if I show it. But uh, in generally it comes down that uh, when a female is hungry or uh, the puppies are hungry, they uh, they active. And then it's easier to get them into drive. So when I, in front of the cage, I, I, I get a broom and I, a few times I go left side, left side, left, left, right, left, right. They start barking, barking, barking. Then I put the food in. So I reward uh, that behavior. So it's always positive. So what I do. So and the next time I do the same, but then I do it with the jerry can instead of the broom. And then when they be really crazy and really barking at it, and then I put the food in. So in general, that's uh, that's the, that's basically how I always start. And if you took the same dog, um, some of these dogs say, and you didn't do all that stuff, and you just let them stay with mom till eight weeks, and then you got them out, and you really did, did no drive work and just fed him and treated him like a puppy, you know, for the next six months, what would be your chances of success of having a, a good dog? I think I bought recently. I bought a female from an elderly woman who was uh, going to a, a elderly home, an old woman going to an elderly home, and she had a female. And I knew that two females were on the club next to where we were. We were uh, where our club is, and um, totally didn't do anything with the female. Was seven, eight months old. And the other two females were already started, bite in the suit, uh, play play nice, and and so on. Actually, the, the the female I had, I had in two weeks, three weeks time, they were she was she was as as good as the other 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 two, or maybe even better, maybe same, maybe, but not so much off. But that's a coincidence. Yeah. So many people say, yeah, but they tell you the story just what I just talk, told you, and say, yeah, but I bought a. a Pet dog, and from the same litter as that one, I took it, and it was really good. Yeah, genetically, it's all it's in all those those three females. Genetically, it's 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 uh, the same lines, you know. So, uh, in, in in generally, they can be all uh, uh, can uh, uh, they all can have the same traits. Uh, of course, uh, there is difference in from pup to pup to pup. Of course, everyone is is a little bit different. But in general, they they the same. But the problem is, in nine of ten times, when you don't start them early, you can also not select them. 
So at the moment you take a puppy from the litter, you say, okay, I'm going to socialize it till a year old and I take it everywhere and I don't do bite work and I don't do hunt work. I just want him to be a nice pet dog. And then because have good genetics, uh, for sure the dog will start to work. I think then you miss a lot because uh, when a dog is a year old and you bought them with nine months from me, how good were they already? So how, how much did you lose, you know? So plus, it's, it, it, you wait then till a year and uh, uh, you have to start them then. And uh, then it's also the question, where do you end up with it? You know, so what does he have? What does he does not have? If I start early with my puppies and uh, I, I, with six, seven months, I, I run into a problem. I only put in five months work. Yeah. As opposed to a yeah. whole year just to get started. Yeah, and, and I hope I even catch the problem earlier. So I even uh, maybe two months of work or a month of work, you know. So uh, that's why that's the reason I, I want early uh, starting puppies. Uh, that's uh, a criteria. I, I, I don't, want, don't, want, don't want late bloomers, what they call it. I want early starting puppies. So with all of your experience, and you've been over here quite a bit to the U.S., what do you think the difference is? Why why isn't there a lot of real successful? I mean, there's some, and there's some people who are doing it, I think, quite well, but just not on the mass stage that you would think at, at this point. I mean, we've been buying dogs from from your country for so long and and learning about it. You'd think that you'd think it'd be almost obsolete, and we just buy them here now. It's just not. <laughs> yeah, that but it's just not easy. happening. It's just not happening. Yeah. So, what do you think the uh, difference is? I do think the demand of dogs is really big. Yeah. So, so, and, uh, uh, okay. How many, but how many, how many really serious breeders in, in the U S serious? I talk about, uh, like, you know, Mike shuttle, uh, he's, I think a serious breeder. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, you can name a few more, but how many, how many puppies can they produce, you know, in general? And I don't think they can produce as much as what is needed. No, I'm oh, pretty no, sure yeah. about not, that. Not right now. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think, and I think that's the the the, the reason. Uh, still, there's so big demand for dogs, you know, and not only for puppies, but more, I think, for dogs about a year old who really have all the potential, and 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 have the health, and uh, yeah. But I'm even going like a, I'm, I'm even going a step deeper. Like, I mean, there are some other people who breed dogs, but they're just not the same quality. And do you, do you think it's it's the, is it a combination of the bloodlines? And what they're doing at three and four weeks, or do you think it's? Yeah, but what what what? Of course, uh, uh, I think that, that there is two criteria. I think most people miss, eh? and that is one. Everybody says my bloodline is the best bloodline. That's one, and I think that's absolutely out of the question. That's yeah. Uh, uh, I think that every bloodline is valuable. And, and for, for uh, the reason that I can never continue the same lines uh, for 10 years or 15 years and not using any other bloodline. Forget it. You cannot, first, first of all, uh, you get a health problems. Absolutely. And second of all, you must have genetic diversity. Yeah, and That is something I strong, strongly believe in. It's genetic diversity. Uh, although I, I try to breed a, a certain kind of bloodline, I like... I know from the past that genetic diversity can bring you really good dogs. 
and make size and make sure the dogs are healthy because uh, uh, the, the genes are not exactly the same. You know, it can breed, I can breed brother, sister, uh, father, brother. I can can do all that kind of thing. But uh, uh, for sure, I end up with smaller dogs, more health problems, and uh, end up with uh, dogs a little bit too crazy in the head. You know, so. For me, the, the 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 perfect combination is look, what I just said in the beginning: is look really close what other people do, make sure the goals you you set and the goals I think are the same, because uh, uh, if I had so many police departments test dogs, but almost everybody wants the same. So the goals, the goal is the same. So to breed dogs, the goal must then also be the same. So the, the criteria for breeding uh, is not so much different. Sure. That, makes that, sense. Is, that is how I look at it. So if I then see somebody use dogs who are for sure never fit the criteria for a really good dual purpose dog, uh, uh, first of all, uh, I see many people, uh, uh, he's not much hunt drive, but he buys like a hammer. Yeah. But yeah, then that is in, in general, not my cup of tea. You know, a dog must have all the quality, all the quality. So, and I do think that another reason that uh, uh, here in Holland, I think the quality is really good, is that everybody looks quite a lot to what other people do. Yeah. Uh, uh, if it's on uh, to look, uh, if if they uh, uh, can do it better than you, or is it uh, that they uh, don't like what you do? If they is it because of they really like what you do? It does not matter a lot. They see your dogs and they see the quality, or they see they don't have quality. So, and if the dogs don't have quality, it what you're breeding, it's very quickly. The word is very quickly out here. That line is not so good. You know, it's it's not not so. Uh, uh, yeah, in, in in I think the that in the U.S. is a little bit different. You know? Yeah, I think I and and I do think that also. Uh, uh, how can I explain best? I think that it's not for nothing I start early. It's not for, uh, uh, how can I explain? It's not for nothing that I use these kinds of bloodlines the most. It's because it gives me the mo most biggest success rate over the years, you know? So that's also experience, uh, Jeff. Oh, I, the experience that I mean, I tell listeners, if you've never met Gerben or seen him, I, I, when I watch you handle a dog, there's so many things that I try to pick your brain on, and I think, I think there's so much that you that you do that is just so natural for you that it's 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 not something it's not something that if I decided I want to go breed dogs today, I'm going to ever have the the success or quality you have because you've been doing it so long and you've yeah. But I think I'm I'm I was always uh, yeah same with Mike. I did a lot of lot of I did a lot of lot for Mike, and I, I worked a lot with Mike and. And I, everybody I work with, everybody I consider as a friend, everybody I try to help as good as possible, you know, in, in every way, you know. Uh, why? Uh, that's how I am, you know. And second, yeah, uh, you can better work together than work to work against each other, you know. That's how it is, you know. That's that, that's why I also, uh, yeah, in, if you have a problem in training, yeah, I, last time we talked about you need somebody who takes uh, can help you out with some training. I said, hey, Lucas is a nice guy. I think he's a nice guy for the job. I think he's a nice guy and it's good for the job. So it's good to help each other out. I think it's very important. So I want to wrap... I think that is, 
I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I just, I kind of want to wrap up the, the puppy conversation with, with one final talk. And we've talked a little bit, but briefly, you know, when you're talking about when you do the selection of a, of a, if somebody gets to go and look at a whole litter, it, a lot of times people say that I want the one that's the most dominant. I want this, I want that. And I know you, you want a little bit different. So if somebody's lucky enough to go and pick a dog out of a litter, what are some of the things that they should kind of look for that, that you that you've learned over you know a course of a long time yeah this is a uh, as we, as i thought uh, as i said to you uh, uh, i look a lot what brothers and sisters do yeah uh, i think that's my my biggest criteria and then even go a step further uh, what did father mother grandfather grandmother uh, brothers sisters of that i go very very deep in it i it takes me a lot of time to do it, and and it's not always only pluses. Uh, you can you will find also uh, minuses. You know, also things you don't like. You know, and then you have to weigh. Okay, uh, uh, do I use it or don't? Don't I use it? So, uh, in my my uh, my way of picking a puppy is I never pick the best puppy and I never pick the worst puppy. For that same for the and same reason you're just talking about looking at the brothers and sisters, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I I always go a little bit in the middle. You know, uh, I never take the most dominant puppy, I think, and I never the most extreme, I think. And uh, uh, yeah, I don't look at uh, look at the litter, uh, look at the puppies like that. I think if I have uh, uh, decent quality, uh, and if if I at the moment I breed, I think if they're fifty and fifty from father and mother, I have a super nice young dog, and. Uh, so I always go a little bit for the middle, you know. I never take the most extreme puppy I think in the litter, and never the the the, the weakest puppy. I think one time you were telling me you like you kind of like the dog that maybe is off on his own a little bit, being more independent too. Yeah, I think I think last few times I even picked the. Uh, I I let everybody choose the last time, everybody, and uh, I had to say I just said to myself myself I had the second pick of the litter. Rudy will keep the first one. And then uh, the rest I already sold. And then at the moment uh, uh, the litter was so old it could be sold. I sold my house. And then I think, yeah, do I want the puppy? Yes. Do I want the puppy? No. And ended up with the last puppy of the litter. I said, let everybody pick. And three months later, I, I, yeah, I was extreme, extreme, extremely good puppy. Really, really good dog. Really, a really good dog. Uh, I had floppy ears uh, uh, in the litter, and every, the rest of the litter had the ears were standing, uh, and and you looked already like Malinois, and mine was like a Labrador, and <laughs> I think that everybody didn't take it because of that. It was absolutely not the best looking puppy in the litter, but was extremely good looking when he was seven, eight, nine, ten months old, and uh, yeah, so. It also is a little bit of feeling, Jeff. If you spend uh, so much time with a litter. And uh, if you see them every day, uh, you can also get a little bit blind for what is really what is the best one or what is. So many times I, I let my heart speak, you know, OK, uh, yeah, this puppy I like. OK, I take that one. So it's it's always a little bit of gamble You can, because, uh, yeah, if, if, if one puppy has uh, worms and the other one uh, because it, uh, it dropped uh, the deworming tablet and you didn't see it and uh, had a full belly of worms and. Of course, it's not a problem after two weeks you do it again and then it get rid of it. But that worms will affect for sure uh, uh, the, uh, his brain and character at that moment. 
So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, if the female uh, just uh, very heavy corrected uh, a puppy, yeah, uh, nine out of ten times, uh, an, an hour after it happens, it will still show. Yeah. So it's 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 always, um, but I monitor them very well, you know. So because I work them, uh, I, I feed them, I look at them, I play with them. Uh, uh, it's a lot of work what I do. I do biosensor stressing already and. I picked that uh, picked that up along the road, and it do, if it doesn't work, it doesn't uh, uh, put any bad effects. So why not do it? So I do it, and uh, yeah. So you handle them a lot, and you see them a lot, and you get a kind of feeling with the litter. And uh, yeah, nine of ten times, and some sometimes you're lucky that people come and take a look at the litter, want a puppy from it. You can look, you know, a little bit the people, you know what. A little bit what fits with them and or not maybe a very strong handler uh yeah you do you you try not to get uh with the weakest puppy of the litter of course a little bit like that if you can influence it but uh yeah so that is yeah it's a it's uh yeah i think it's a it's it's a more a kind of feeling but of course also uh when you work him like just what i said in the uh, in the beginning uh, I play with them. I let them bite on the rack. I see one biting full and want to go further and deeper in and calm. And I have one is really hectic in the bite. Yeah, for sure that will show when they later on as well. You know, for sure that uh, that difference is already there. Yeah, yeah. So that is a uh, yeah. That is a little bit how I can explain it best. I think. Well, I think we've gone a little bit over for this show, but if it's uh, possible, you know, I want to get you back on, and then I want to go with the next step. You know, once they're, once the puppies start working, where do we go from there? And I, I think, uh, I think all the listeners over here are going to enjoy hearing, you know, from puppy over to what's the next step and what's the next step, and then how do they, how does he end up in my patrol car? So I yeah. think it'll be uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, then once yeah. he's there, what the yeah. hell do I do with him? So I think, and I think that yeah, is yeah, something yeah. we'll touch base on. Is that I think. Um, you know, the first dog I have was a I had you know years ago was a KNVP title dog that no one in our unit even knew what the heck a KNVP title was and I ended up getting on kind of starting to research it because it made no sense to have all this work and then it, basically they just wanted to ignore it so I think some of that still happens today so we'll kind of talk you know about wh- what the dogs go through and how we can how we can use all this imprinting and prior training and make it better for us so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to some more uh, talks with you, and I appreciate your time today. Yeah, was nice. Was nice talking, Jeff. Yeah. and I hope. Uh, yeah, whenever you're ready uh, to do another show, I'm uh, I'm back on it. Absolutely, we'll be in touch very soon. Thanks, Gerben. I appreciate your time. If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come the Hits 2021. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come to HITS 2021 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2021 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffles and gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there, and we've been there too.